You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Geeks Unleashed, episode 70. If you are not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. Remember, five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners, so please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. As usual, I'm your host, Mark, and I'm joined by... Jasmine. And this week, we are joined by Fable from the PCP Bad Batch on Instagram and YouTube. Welcome, Fable. Hey, shit. How's everybody doing? Oh, we're good, man. We're good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Pumped. Pumped to review this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to kick off October's uh, Horror Fest, we're kicking off with our first review of a double bill of A Quiet Place Part 1 and Part 2. And spoiler warning, this is a review show. So if you have not had a chance to watch A Quiet Place Part 1 or Part 2, you definitely want to pause this and come back later because uh, we're about to spoil it all. um so fable like before what i do anyone that's been on the on the pod for the first time before we jump into anything like to pick pick your brains a little bit and just find out a little bit what your story is how did you yeah we put you on the hot seat seat. (laughs) go for it it. we'd love to know what your secret origin story is like how did you get into comics and pop culture you know how did you get in on the ground um i mean with pop culture, I think I've always been a fan. Um, the things that are kind of popular today are kind of the things that I got into when I was a kid. I, I grew up in the 80s. Um, so a lot of things kind of had their genesis there, right? Like a lot of horror movies, video games, cartoons, uh, a lot of epic runs in comic books, things of that nature. So um, I was exposed to pop culture pretty early pretty early um and i just fell in love with stuff like that like the first cartoon i could remember watching was uh spider-man and his amazing friends oh i remember that with Iceman and firestar yeah I remember right that. yeah so i was introduced early and then, and then what about comics themselves because uh, did you say to me you're fairly recent with comics like in the last five years or something like that well i had collected comic books as a kid uh yeah. around seven or eight years old so we're putting that around 1988 1987 yeah. Yeah. Um, I was introduced by uh, my grandmother's coffee table. She had a bunch of comics laying on the coffee table. All right, Grandma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, um, was, was those her own collection? Or? I think it was my aunt's collection. I had an aunt that was just a little bit older than I was, um, but she didn't keep them in bags and boards or anything. She would read them and just toss them on the table. Oh, okay. Yeah. It'd horrify you now, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it, especially with the issues that I was introduced to. I wish I had those issues now. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I know, man. Like, so um, was there any particular co- um, character that, that pulled you in? Um, Yeah, man, Wolverine, the X-Men in general. Because um, the comic book that I had seen on my grandmother's coffee table was X-Men 212 which uh if you remember the cover of that one it's wolverine but he's all bloody and cut up his suit is all ripped and mangled um so yeah that that was my first issue and uh man i've never seen wolverine look like that i mean to an eight-year-old who used to watching cartoons you see wolverine looking up mangled that way just uh savage it was awesome just blew my mind 
Uh, yeah, I, I love Wolverine. Like, I, I just there's so I think there's so much that appeals about him. Like, he's kind of he's got a good heart. Like, you know, if he sees a kid, there's nothing he wouldn't do to save that kid. But you know, if you're a bad guy, you're just there's no stopping Wolverine. Yeah. Like, you you know he i mean he's like the hero that they kind of allow to kill like you know right. the punisher gets a hard time but wolverine seems to get a free pass so. <laughs> <laughs> um so is there anything that you're enjoying right now like whether it's comics or tvs or movie just anything that you're really into right now um right now i'm really into collecting comic books at the moment i'm, I'm doing a lot of modern books a lot of indie books and um I'm currently collecting Transformers figures, which is a love of mine uh, from the 80s. So, so. a big, big Transformers fan. Like those oh, figures yeah. cost a lot of money. Like <laughs> you're a. Uh... Yeah, they sure do. They even cost a lot back then. Uh, I yeah. don't even know how my mother <laughs> got them for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's quite an expensive hobby. Um, I mean, it depends, right? Like if you get on the ground floor of a lot of these things, you can save some money, mm-hmm. but yeah. you got to be on top of it. That's the thing. I've heard that that the figures are almost as popular as like comics are, but obviously, like they kind of release them and then people are just instantly gone and they're like on eBay within like 24 hours and things like that, like double the price. So, yeah, I've heard that you've really got to keep action figures on a whole. I mean, I don't think kids are collecting these things at all. No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be super honest with you. Not the the kids of this generation. No, they're (laughs) certainly not. <laughs> oh, oh no, they're like on their iPads and yeah, iPhone. exactly. They oh. they are technologified. They they <laughs> permanently have some kind of device in their hand. They've got no interest in actual like nah. playing, playing or doing any of that stuff. Um, but what, so is there anything that's come out this year, like comic wise, that you're particularly loving? Like, is there any any books like that's sort of get into your top 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 of the reads for 2021? Um, a book that surprised me a lot uh, I wasn't expecting a like because I, I really didn't follow the character too much is uh, Black Widow oh, okay. well, I read that yeah. Black Widow. I, re- I read um, I read it a few years ago I can't was it Phil Notto was doing the art a few years right. ago I read that run but I haven't read this current run although I have to say because of you I did pick up issue 11 with the Miles Morales cover uh, <laughs> I haven't I haven't read the book but because uh, you were banging on about Miles variants the other week I I grabbed the Miles one because I thought it was a pretty cool variant um, but I've not read the book at all but yeah did you do that mainly because of the movie like picked it up or um no I just picked it up because um, it was Kelly Thompson uh, yeah. who I had enjoyed a lot of uh, her writing was pretty good. I, I, I followed a couple of, like, she wrote Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is an actually really good book. And so I just followed her uh, to Black Widow. And, man, her and uh, Elena Casagrande, those two ladies are putting on a clinic over there at, at Black Widow, let me tell you. I'll tell you, I'll have to check it out. It's, uh, do you know, we were chatting to someone earlier, and um, they were saying, like, Marvel and DC put out roughly about 80 books a month. And there's just no possible way to keep on top oh, no. of those. So that's why I love picking people's brains and finding out what you read in. And like, what I, I like to, you know, if you can find out what other people are reading, they kind of, you know, if you've got, you know, in, in the community that we're in and it helps get 
good recommendations from other people like so it saves me having to go through all the rubbish so (laughs) (laughs) actually that's a probably harsh thing to say there's actually a lot of good books out there but there's probably too many good books out there so to be told what the cream of the crop is like you know so um i think that's the biggest problem is there's too much good stuff period man too much good tv Mm-hmm. Too much good video games, too many good movies, too many good comics, man. It's everything. It's a golden age for everything. Oh, do you know, when I was a kid, I used to have four channels on the TV. And I used to read like a book a week. Like, you know, now my daughter told me earlier she's read five books this year. I was like, five books this year? Like, <laughs> I, like, I would have done that by February. Like, so, that's, I used to get in trouble like for reading books. Like I used to like my mum used to catch me upstairs with like a torch on reading. Like, I told you to go to bed. I'm like, oh, I want to read this book. Like, <laughs> I want to know who the murderer is. Like, uh, <laughs> like, um, so just before we sort of jump into the reviews, like obviously we, we know each other from uh obviously your online presence as part of the PCP Bad Batch and just be like interesting for our listeners to hear what the PCP Bad Batch is and how it got started. Like, what's the origin story of that? Um, well, basically, it's a, a group of guys uh, that are just like everybody else, right? We all love the pop culture stuff, comic books, um, toys, cartoons, you name it. We, we love it all. Um, the way we all met uh, was through um, Robbie's uh, Pop Culture Philosophers channel in his chat. I, I know you guys know Robbie really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we all found each other in that chat and, uh, you know, we would meet there every week, every Sunday, and he would have these three, almost four hour shows and, um, we would just, oh, have his, a his live show. Yeah. His live yeah. show. Yeah. We would just have a blast in the chat, just talking back and forth, clowning around. Robbie would get involved. We would all, you know, it was just like a good community, a good, a good place to be on Sunday nights. So. One day I decided, you know, I don't want to wait till Sunday to talk to these guys again. I really like these guys. I want to hang out with them more often. So what I did was I found them all on Instagram. Uh, I just searched them out, found them, and I created a chat room. And uh, in that chat room, all the guys from the PCP chat that like kind of stood to the end because Robbie calls it his chat the PCP army, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a lot of people come and go out of that chat, but if you're in the last half hour, that's what I would call the PCP army, right? Mm-hmm. And it would be the same group of guys every week. So those are all the guys I added to the chat. Little did I know that all of these guys had aspirations to be YouTubers and <laughs> personalities and stuff. I, I, you know, I met all these guys before they started their channel. So um, that's, that's uh, how can I say it? It's a great coincidence, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Almost like it was meant to be in a lot of ways, I think. Because, I mean, what are the co- what what are the chances that all these guys are are like, you know, they're doing their thing on YouTube and stuff, and 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 taking off? And and I happen to know all of them. It's, it's crazy. It's nice yeah, to be able to like find your community or your tribe of people online. So absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, I never had anybody to talk to before any of this. So. You know, when uh, COVID, before COVID, I would keep my pop culture love to myself because not really a lot of people around me like video games or any of that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. I met these guys uh, during the pandemic. Man, like I said, it's almost meant to be. I know the pandemic is a horrible thing, but 
Yeah, it but it's good so to talk doors. about the good things that the pandemic yeah. has brought people. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's good bit. There's always good stuff that comes out of bad. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, and it's always nice to hear the the you know, you don't want to think that COVID all it did was just cause havoc and misery everywhere around the world. Yeah. Um, right. there's there's gonna be good news stories, and you've I've heard a lot about people that have started their own businesses out of COVID. Like my sister's one of them, to be honest. Um, so like there's a lot of people that have done something positive. So to hear that you formed a network of people that actually, although you don't see each other face to face, you've got you've caught you've sort of formed virtual friendships and mm-hmm. actually launched YouTube channels and your own uh, Instagram show, Blame Fable, and um, and every Wednesday, it's it, what I love is how you guys became friends in a in Robbie's channel. Then you formed a group, and then you went from there to launching what you guys call Whiplash Wednesday, and you basically all launch a show every Wednesday, like and how you don't overstep you do it like when one show finishes another show starts um and also you'll mix between each other and promote each other and i see your hashtag grow together and i think it's great actually just seeing the support that you guys give each other and form that community and i kind of think like there's a few people like us and three bros that go in and out of that with you guys as well so and and like robbie as well so all um, of you guys are definitely friends of the show we love all three of you cerebros robbie mark jasmine we love you guys. We consider you part of our, our group. You know, it's fun yeah, to hang out with you guys. Around. Y'all, yeah. y'all oh, yeah. stay up a little too late for me sometimes because you know I'm an old lady, so I like to go to bed a little bit early. But uh, no, it's totally fun. I always have a good time. Unfortunately, I've never been asked to do Robbie's live channel to the end. It's like he starts, <laughs> he, he, he starts at one a.m. UK time on a Sunday, Ooh. and I'm like, I, yeah. I have tuned in. I, whenever I've tuned in, I've done like the first half an hour and I'm like, man, I've got to go to bed. Like, <laughs> and, uh, so, so you'll tend to see me commenting a few bits in the first 30 minutes and then I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm off now. So, <laughs> uh, or a lot of the time I don't even say goodbye. As a few times I just close my eyes. I'm like, right. Uh, <laughs> no worries, and then I, man. I, 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 I wake up at like five in the morning. I'm like, okay. like they're, 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 they've, already, they've already gone. Like, you know, so... Um, yeah, just like one last question before we jump on. Is there anything you've kind of learned from Instagram and YouTube like and you that you can take away from this whole experience? Um man, I learned a lot of things, man. I, I, I learned a bunch of stuff about myself, about friendship, um, uh reaching out to people. it's just so much. Um I learned to appreciate life a lot more, to live in the moment to have as much fun as I possibly can while I'm here, uh, just because of all the people that passed away on us uh, during this past year. Um, Just because in this community in particular, um, people just seem to be very helpful and very good to each other. So can you hear those cars? I was just gonna say oh, for sorry. anyone listening. I was, no, 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 I was, I was gonna say like for anyone listening, uh, Fable lives like dead in the center of New York. Right in New York, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a it's it's a busy town. So yeah, it's the but, city that never sleeps. Uh, yeah, never I literally sleeps. was about to say that. I was about to say yeah. the city that never sleeps. So, uh, but yeah, man, that, forging those friendships, uh, meeting all these people, dealing with all these personalities, and and learning how to. Um, uh, live together and, and grow together like you say like you know that's part of the grow together thing is um so many different personalities and i'd rather have it like that because i don't like a whole bunch of yes men i don't mm-hmm. like a lot of people to have the same opinions that i do uh i want somebody to call me on my opinions of things if, if they disagree so we can have a, a good conversation you know 
Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, well, it's like me and Jasmine. I mean, we we sometimes we like the same stuff. Sometimes we don't. Yeah. I mean, sometimes sometimes Jasmine is just pure wrong. Like that and is <laughs> untrue. <laughs> that is completely false. Fake news. Okay. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> there's one. There's one show that she's completely wrong about. Uh, no, there's uh, one show that you're completely wrong about, and the Queen's Gambit is really boring. I'm sorry, it's boring. <laughs> I, I saw her and a bunch of her friends on Twitter the other day slating, <laughs> slating the Queen's Gambit, and I tweeted them all going, I've never seen so many wrong people in Twitter. I mean, you know, sometimes people, when people are wrong, you've got to call them out, right, Fable? You know, no. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I don't think that that's what Fable meant, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what he meant either. But, <laughs> but anyway... But bring that little chat to an end and um it's been great to just get a little bit more about yourself and um absolutely but what we're gonna do is we're gonna just take a break for a moment and we'll be back in a minute to chat about quiet place one i'm tom my partner mike and i have been friends and co-workers for a long time and at work we're known for our daily water cooler conversations about tv shows and movies we are currently watching whether we're arguing over which marvel tv show is the best or agreeing about which netflix original movie is the worst the pop culture conversation is always popping on Two Brothers at a Water Cooler. You can listen to Two Brothers at a Water Cooler on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe and share today. Get it done! Get it And we're back for a quiet place one. Right. So quiet place directed by John Krasinski, written by Brian Wood, Scott Beck and John Krasinski. It stars Emily Blunt as Evelyn, John Krasinski as Lee, Millicent Simmons as Reagan, Noah Jupe as Marcus and Cade Woodward as Bo. So this was released on the 6th of April 2018 in America. I haven't checked the uh, UK date, but I'm sure it's not not far off there. The budget for this movie, 17 million, and at the box office made 350 million US dollars. Okay, um, that is insane. That's insane. <laughs> that is a ridiculous return on investment. <laughs> right? 17 million and it turned over 350? You gotta wow. think, you gotta think the guys who chucked the money in for that movie were like. When is the sequel coming? Like, uh, yeah, almost like, immediately. Yeah, well, it pretty much did, didn't it? Like if COVID yeah. hadn't happened, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, I mean, what a turnaround in investment. And I know you do hear about movies where it goes the other way around. You know, they put three fifty oh, yeah. in and they make seventeen million. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, you got to think for the guys that said, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stick money in for this." Like they must have been over the moon. Like, like so. Um, so just a bit of a summary of the movie, which I, I love. I, this is one of the things I actually love and endears me about this movie is that part one starts on day 80 something. And I, I actually do love that, that literally the first thing you see is day 87 or something or other. Uh, and then you're introduced to the whole Abbott family in a very surreal rundown town and, you know, almost a post-apocalyptic sort of feel about it. And they're in a supermarket and they're just having to be very, very quiet. And obviously, you know, from the trailers that you have to be quiet. Like I already knew there was that whole thing. 
Uh, and within the first 10 minutes, unfortunately, the Abbott family do lose their um, their four-year-old son, uh, Bo, Bo Abbott, and that kind of sets the scene. But then what I love is after that, it flashes up day 472. Yeah, 72. <laughs> and uh, I didn't write those days down, but I knew it was 400 and something. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that brings you like over a year later mm-hmm. and – and Evelyn is heavily pregnant. So uh, the moment I saw that, and I already knew anyway from, again, the poster and the trailers, but I was like, you've just set up this world where you can't make a single sound and an aeroplane, sorry, a space shuttle killed off your child and then you've just landed us with a pregnant woman. So then the the rest of the movie kind of um, is spent over sort of a, a day or two period of time and it kind of, shows the world that they're living in you know things like not being able to use plates and cutlery they you know they have leaves for plates and they literally have designed their whole world around not making a noise uh and then follows us through to evelyn eventually giving birth and a massive confrontation at the end uh we'll we'll go we'll go through all of those as we break down the movie uh but we'll just do a little round the table here and just find out what everyone's overall thoughts are on this movie so before we say that like did did you two um watch this film when it first came out or watch mm-hmm. it just for this so i know jasmine watched it for this episode fable did yep. you watch this originally or did you watch it as part of just coming on here uh no just part of coming over here i actually watched both movies back to back today oh awesome like so it's fresh in your mind so, <laughs> so i i did watch the first one when it came out I didn't watch it at the cinema i did watch it when it was out at home uh but i like yourselves re-watched it so um start with you favor what's your sort of you know two minute summary of this movie did you enjoy it just what's your what's your overall thoughts well first of all darn you for making me watch these three uh, these two movies because this family dynamic matches my family dynamic almost exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so right away, I was sucked in, right? Because you got the, the older kid, you got the two kids and the expecting mom. That's exactly where I'm going through right now. I have two, uh, one older one, one, one small one, and one on the way. So uh, it hit me right away. So you're um, going to be a three-child family soon. <laughs> yeah. But I hope no aliens come. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overall, I think this is a, a great monster movie, man. This is a, a good return uh, to um, what I would call like Spielbergian kind of movies. Like, um, you know, there's children involved. Uh, so it, it grabs you that way. There's a menacing creature. And then there's a, a gimmick to it. Um, and it, it just flows really good. Great pacing. Um, so yeah, this movie overall, I would say it's just a great, great monster film. Oh, thanks, man. What about you, Jasmine? What's your overall thoughts on this movie? Um, I thought that that first film was really good. Um, I hated every single minute of watching it, uh, but I thought it was a really, really good film. Um, I did. I don't, I do not enjoy movies like this. I would never ever ever have watched this film (laughs) had it not been for this episode uh because like i get so tense like the 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 emotion that they portray and the like you were saying fable the the pacing tension is what drives this film and it is done 
phenomenally well. I mean, it is it is so well done and it is so well paced. Um, it's it's impossible to dislike it. But I I mean, like like I said, I hated the experience of watching the movie. Uh, but I, but I did think it was a really good movie. Am I ever going to watch it again? No, no chance in hell. Am I ever watching this again? Um, but I, I mean, I, I really did. I thought it was great. And for a film with so little dialogue, right. um, it was actually pretty jarring in some points when, when we got some whispers or when we got like a sentence and it was just like, this movie is an hour and a half long and we probably have, I don't know, a total of six minutes of dialogue in the whole film. Like this is, this is wild. Um, it's like the, it's like the opposite to a musical, isn't it? Right. 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 <laughs> but, it, but it was incredible how even the kid actors, like how well yeah. everyone emoted. Um, yes. And especially when, when they're emotional, but they're also signing back and forth to each other. It's like, you can see the emotion in, in the movements that they're making, like every breath that they take or when, you know, every step that they take, it was, it was just impeccable. I mean, it was, it was a really impressive film. Yeah, I have to agree. Like I, so I watched this originally when it came out in 2018, I've actually watched this first one twice this week. Uh, so I watched it last Sunday uh, and I watched it again uh, a couple hours before we started recording, which I'm glad I did actually, because it kind of, Got me pi- got me pumped to start doing this, uh, <laughs> doing this recording. I'm glad I rewatched it because I, I personally love this film. I think it's actually a really, like you said, Faye, it's a good horror movie. I love the fact that actually they don't show too much about the monsters. And I love the fact that we don't know really anything about the origin of the monsters because actually this is actually a film about the characters of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like this is right. about the Abbott family and their journey of survival and um and what they've gone through like you know the trauma that they've gone through and seeing them from you know that day they lost their four-year-old son to mm-hmm. you know how it ends with gaining a new child but also facing another loss and the journey that they go through and we obviously see several moments within that hour and a half movie but mm-hmm. i think actually the pacing what you said about earlier actually is really good because there's some mm-hmm. moments are really slow and really quiet yeah and 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 but there but you're i wasn't on edge during those periods of time but you do know there is that constant threat yeah and right. i and i actually but during those moments of quiet i loved seeing the interaction between the children and the parents and Stuff like that, you know, even moments where the the um obviously where Lee and Evelyn are dancing together with headphones on because obviously you can't play music loudly, um, you know, and, and the two kids are playing the board games, so it's those nice quiet moments of uh, family time, and then just seeing the craziness at the end. And like mm-hmm. I know that whole edge of your seat stuff. So I didn't necessarily find it scary, but I did I was edge of my seat during the right periods of time it so, was terrifying uh, what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> and i honestly you know like the more i sit with it the more i would actually argue against it being a creature feature i think it's definitely more of like it's it it really is a a human like it's a character driven story and right. the catalyst happens to be monsters but the the way that this family interacts with each other and with the world around them um it's it's shockingly good. Like it, I, I, I want to kind of compare it to pitch black, but with pitch black, it's like you automatically know that the monsters are the bad guys and bad things are going to be happening, but it's a totally different feel watching pitch black versus watching a quiet place because you just, 
no matter who you like in pitch black like you just do not have the connection to the characters that you get with the characters in a quiet place and i, I think that's kind of what i can yeah. see where you're comparing that but with this film obviously they pull you so much yeah into those characters exactly so, so it, it actually, feels nice, like a different that's a nice story segue, that's a nice segue <laughs> there jasmine you've set out well favorite characters around the room like so i i actually have to say it's quite difficult like in all honesty i found it difficult to pick a favorite but if i was going to put you on the spot fable who would your favorite be on the spot i would probably say the dad um yeah krasinski yeah because um i mean he had how much responsibility does that man have i mean he's got the two kids he's got the wife she's pregnant she just went through a child's death um and he has to carry all of that on his back and not show an inch of it not 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 show the kids any worry he calmed them down a few times in this movie uh set them straight his resolve was so strong um Mm -hmm. and i it takes a special man to be like that in that time uh especially when everybody around you just seeming like they're in pain or suffering mm. and he knows that he's responsible for all of them right because that's his wife those are his children you know what i mean he, he has to he has to bury all of that stuff down mm-hmm. and and take care of priorities you know i'm not a fan of the american office i um but i have seen clips of him i'm not a fan of the english office either like but um but seeing him go from that and I've seen him in um crap, I forgot the name, the Amazon TV show that he's in. Oh, John uh, the Jack Ryan show. Um mm-hmm. obviously he's amazing in the Jack Ryan show, but to see him go from where he was as this sort of goofy actor in <laughs> the office, to see him as action hero as Jack Ryan and also as Lee Abbott, I think that the the growth as an actor, and yes. we'll talk about the directing and stuff like that in a minute, but like his his journey as a creator like, mm-hmm. it's just amazing right. so i like it's nice to hear your favorite what about you jasmine uh evelyn because any woman that could give birth by <laughs> oh, only man. screaming one time like oh, she went up and down the stairs she got away from monster like Ooh. she was doing all of this strategic stuff while in labor i was yeah. like i can't I, that, no, that wasn't just a scr- that wasn't just a scream that was oh, like man. That was every scream she's ever wanted to do. Yes. Ever, like, yeah. And um, I mean, when those fireworks went off and just seeing her lip let rip, like mm-hmm. from her throat, like honestly, she'd been holding that in, boy. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it made me think of um, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not overly knowledgeable on Scientology, but apparently in Scientology that you have to force to give birth in silence. Um, like oh. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Like. I'm pre- I didn't Google that to check, so I, I, I could just be lying completely. Um, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that, like, I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that, like, Katie Holmes or something had to give birth in silence or something. So, and I, when I saw that's what I thought of, I'm dead sure that's what I heard. And when I saw this, I did think of that, thinking, how on earth does anyone give birth in silence? Like, so, but the acting chops of Emily Blunt, though, to that whole scene that you're talking about, like walking up and down the stairs, the, the, the moment where the nail goes in her foot, just seeing Emily Blunt, Blunt's just amazing dynamic of acting i have to say i agree with you jasmine so um my favorite is reagan um and to know that that the actress millie is actually deaf in real life Mm -hmm. 
Uh, really? uh, is yeah yeah so so she she got into acting um so she was doing acting classes and i can't remember the film she did before a quiet place but she got um an audition for that to play a deaf character and that that was her first big break and then she obviously got into a quiet place but like to see just like how strong she is and mm-hmm. bring in like honestly she, she for me was I love seeing the passion, like at the, that moment where her and her dad are sort of arguing and she's telling him to just stop, right. like just the, like the passion in her sign language and her facial expressions, uh, just seeing just it's the visual, the visual right. part of acting. So it was just so good. And a lot of it was visual acting because mm-hmm. like you said, Jasmine, earlier, there's like six minutes of dialogue in this film. But honestly, seeing her passion was just so amazing to me Mm -hmm. like I thought for such a young actress I said I I really want to see a long career for Millie I think she's going to be someone to watch out for so yeah also side note yes silent birth is a thing with Scientology and reportedly Katie Holmes gave birth to Siri (laughs) silently because the guy who created Scientology says that a quiet birth allows the baby to be born in a calm and peaceful environment and the moral of that story is kids do not join cults, please. <laughs> don't join a cult. I'm glad you said so, it. <laughs> well, I mean, see, I, I'm dead sure I knew that I read that somewhere about the Scientology thing, uh, about the silent birth thing. So. Le- leave it to a group of men to tell right? women, be quiet when you give birth. I mean, right. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's not comment anymore about Scientology before, <laughs> before, before, before they find us. Right. So, okay, we don't make enough money to hit their radar, I promise. It's fine. Uh, yeah, well, I don't want to tempt fate. Right, anyway, so, right, uh, let's talk about the structure of the film. And actually, I think that's quite an important thing to talk about with this movie because yeah. of its jump, jumping around. So, again, we'll start with Fable. Like, you know, when I, when I talk about the structure, like, obviously, just bear in mind things like, you know, the script and... Um, and just you know your fate you know how what you feel about the structure in general so what what are your thoughts and also do you have any favorite scenes throughout the movie um i think the structure of the film is really sound um i think that uh, i guess it would be the director or the writer i don't know who breaks down the acts but they broke them down pretty perfectly um uh they showed the dynamics between everybody um visually um which is pretty tough to do. Like Jasmine had said earlier, you have no dialogue and, and you have to tell the story and get these points across because you have to know the rules of the world mm-hmm. in, in order to, to get the suspense, right? To, to, to feel the danger. In order so, for the audience buy-in, right? right. Exactly. So, you know, when you see her, you know, lightly stepping across the floor and the parts where you're supposed to step are painted, little things like that um, just go a long way in- storytelling and there's a um, uh, there's a lot of attention to detail in this film yeah yeah and it's all over the place i mean it's from beginning to end they do this uh visual like that's why i said spielbergian earlier because spielberg in my my opinion what makes him great is how much storytelling he can do without saying anything like mm-hmm. just showing a scene or or the, the way the scene breaks down and this movie has tons of that tons of, i'm actually really shocked that this was made for as cheaply as it was made yeah, exactly. And you know, this, big, it reminds me of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You keep bringing up Spielberg, but it does like 
Right. You, I wouldn't call that like, I mean, yes, it's about aliens, but like, I wouldn't really call that an alien movie either because right. you are so drawn in by the people of the town. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that this one, it's, it's very yeah. similar, very similar to that. To me, I get um, Jurassic Park vibes. Mm-hmm. Or remember the two children and, mm-hmm. and, and when they were in the kitchen and the velociraptor. Oh my God. Room. That scene <laughs> still right? scares me. So this movie is that scene. It's a movie. Yeah, no, see, this is why I had a hard time watching it. I think Jurassic Park probably scared me more than this film. I remember running out of the theater when I was a kid when that scene happened. And I I went with my dad and he had to send someone to the women's bathroom to get me out of the bathroom because I refused to go back into the theater. (laughs) You know, Uh, it's just the way the camera comes in, the way it, it pans on certain things. Like you said, it just visually builds the tension without saying too much. I mean, yeah. like that part where she was um, trying to get her child that was still in the uh, makeshift crib that they had. And yes. the alien had dove underwater. Uh-huh. And oh, she gets right moment, to the yeah. crib. And the way the camera pans up and his head comes out of the water at almost the exact same time. It was masterful. Oh, yeah. It was beautifully done. I think the direction um, of this film, like just John Straczynski, I I think he's put this film together so well. Like, mm-hmm. and I, you know, obviously people play different parts, like the editing and stuff like that. But his 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 acting, which we talked about earlier, his direction, and and yeah, the script, it was just all gel. Literally every single part like worked so well together to make this film. So. And yeah, and that's something you don't always find, you know. Like that, you get all the parts working, and what, like you said, for such small budget as well. I think seventeen million US dollars for this movie is just amazing. So, yeah. Um, what about you, Jasmine? Any any thoughts on the structure of the movie? No, it's. I mean, it's near perfect. To be quite honest, yeah. it's it. There's not much to add to that. I mean, as far as favorite scenes. I'm going to be a terrible, awful, horrible human being. And I'm going to say my favorite scene was the beginning when they lose mm. their youngest son, because I did not expect that to happen at all. <laughs> I assumed yeah. that John would step in or I'm sorry, Lee would step in and save the day and the family would be fine. So to be thrown completely off from the very beginning of the film, uh, that was the moment that let me know that this was not going to be anything like what I expected it to be. So I think that scene on the bridge really, really, really set the mood for the rest of the film. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I think in terms of the structure of the film, I actually love that you get dropped in mm-hmm. on day 80 something and yeah. you don't know, you don't know what happened and you just see this family in this supermarket and it's quite eerie because you get introduced to the family, actually one character at a time. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily know when you see like a shadow of someone in the background, like the dad, necessarily everybody's a good guy because these type of films you don't always see sort of the good guy you know how many times have you watched the walking dead where they've gone scavenger hunting and they go in a supermarket and then like there's somebody living in the supermarket that like wants to kill them yeah uh, so. or how about like japan sinks where you got the guy in the supermarket with a bow and arrow that kills yeah, people yeah yeah there was that yeah yeah, yeah. so um 
but so I, 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 so I love the fact that you've got that opening scene, day 80 something, then the next scene is day 400 and something. And, you know, and then you kind of, I love how you spice it up, how we don't see anything from day one to day 80. And, and then you don't see anything from day 80 to 400. And sort of, you get to just see the moments of their lives for mm-hmm. this story. I think that that is done well. I just think, like I said earlier, everything about this movie works. Like the, yeah. the whole edge, the way they create the tension, the way they, you know, just spiced it all together which just was just so beautiful so and also what you must love fable is the fact that it's you know set set in uh in new york so, <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, i found that kind of interesting i was like uh you know i, I would i would have thought there would have been a like a lot more psychos out in the street it was kind of barren <laughs> yeah, but it it's, was it's, upstate yeah, but it, new york upstate it's not, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> it's, you know it's where all the all, all the uh all the rich folk live you know yeah. so, like, <laughs> uh, well uh, you know if you're if you live in new york uh, you might you might uh say that the rich people might be a little crazier <laughs> oh yeah for sure, <laughs> for sure. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and again, for for such little budget, the CGI in this film was it, it was just outstanding. So I, yeah, there was I, a I, lot I, of detailing on those monsters. With the oh, way, the, the way that their head the plates yeah, yeah. come out when they're trying to listen, and the the way that you almost get like a close up look of the sonar in their ears, like as they're trying to listen to what's going on, it's wild. Yeah, yeah they let's make that look about... kind of scary too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was let's kind of talk about... you know the ears there. Sorry, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. I was going to say, let's quickly talk about the end of the movie because I, I love that final sort of battle scene and I love the moment where Millie, I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed it took her as long as it did to realise the weakness, but I, lo- I love that she does click. She sees the weakness, kind of puts two and two together. And I love the fact that it's mother and daughter saved the day. So although mm-hmm. the dad had sacrificed himself earlier in the movie, like about 10 minutes earlier, uh, I think he was going to die anyway because he was holding his side. So I'm assuming that the monster had probably got down quite deep and he thought, well, I'm going anyway. So I may as well go out in style and try and give my kids a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, but I love the fact that it is the mother and the daughter and the son is holding the baby. Um, so it's the three of them really together, but it's really the mother and the daughter saving the day and the mother, uh, sorry, and, and Millie realizing that she's got a weapon to save save them and i love the fact that like how it ends it, it kind of just ends mid-battle really she just kind of loads the shotgun and that's it tiles come up i mean what did you do think about that like that sort of overall ending scene um i thought it ended really good i i i like it when it's like because the moment that they realize that this sound that they emit from those little uh, ear, hearing aids uh, is the trick. I mean, their whole confidence shoots up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see Emily Blunt's face. She's like, oh, it's on now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it ends right there, which is like a good grindhouse ending, you know? Like, boom, that's it. Credits for <laughs> did you ever watch angel buffy and angel but angel yeah, like so yeah. did you see the final ever episode where it ends in the alleyway and the dragons rock up or whatever yeah. like and it literally ends with them kind of i don't know if they're going to charge for they're running they're off into the sunset yeah well yeah. They're, they're, they're they're literally battle time and then the titles come up and i was like what like, you can't leave us there <laughs> but that's but a little how... different that's uh five seasons of investment he yeah, just no, ended no, but, like that. That's like. Oh, no, but I, I, I just more meant like the ending was like mid-battle, and that's kind of how this movie felt. It, it, it felt like you knew two more aliens were on the way in, and it kind of like ended mid-battle. So what I loved was how it left you wanting more, and right. you know, and obviously we got more, but we didn't know that at the time. So when it ended, 
you know, I kind of was under the impression this was a one-off movie. So, but obviously looking at the return on investment, no, no investor was going to be silly enough to leave this alone. So, yeah. um, like how, so this, we'll, we'll sort of wrap that up in for our first review and just what would you rate it, Fable, out of five? Um, I'd give it a 4.5 out of five. Um, I don't give it the perfect score only because I've seen this trope before uh, in several movies, um, but it was entertaining from beginning to end. So although, although it's not a fresh concept to me, uh, it's still uh, one of the best that executed it. Mm. How about you, Jasmine? Uh, I give it a five just because this damn movie stressed me out so bad that I could not watch <laughs> the second one in the same day. Like I was, my, my plan was watch the first one and then immediately watch the second one so I could get it all over with at one time. Man, let me tell you how that did not happen. By the time this movie ended, my first thought was, thank God, it's over. <laughs> I'm so stressed. Uh, but yeah, I'm giving it a five because it just, it literally dragged me along, kicking and screaming the whole way. And then by the time it was all over, I was still like, thank you, please, sir. Can I have some yeah. more? <laughs> um, I think I'd have to, I, I'm like between a four and a half and a five. Maybe I'll, you know, I've never done it before. This will be my first. I'm going to give it a 4.75. Like, <laughs> so like I, I actually think this is a really good movie, really strong movie. <clears throat> I have to agree with what Faye was saying. There's good chunks of it's not original. Um, I mean, the sound thing is kind of original, like from what I, I don't think I've seen anything done by sound. I guess we've seen elements of the sound thing, though, in Jurassic Park with the Raptors. So you could say it has been done before on TV. It makes you think of Jurassic Park 1 when they're in the kitchen having to be really quiet. So um, we have had the sound thing before, but we've not had it to the extremes of these people literally can hear like a you know, flipping breadcrumb drop, you know, across the room. So, but yeah, I think overall the direction of this movie was just perfect. Like, you know, the direction, the the, the synergy of the acting, the directing, the editing, the production, um, and to do it on such little budget. Yeah, honestly, 4.75, I think it's a damn, damn good score for this movie. And probably like you say, maybe just probably chip away just because of the fact that it's not an overly original idea, but I just love this movie overall. So, um and as I said a minute ago, we didn't think we were going to get any more, but we did. <laughs> we, did. we did get more. So hold on a minute. So, right. We are ready to go. A Quiet Place Part 2. All the same. Everyone from the first one. Same director, same writer, same cast. Additional cast include Killian Murphy as Emmett and Jaiman Hunsu as the man on the island. <laughs> what a terrible name i know <laughs> uh, do you know what like i so i didn't watch any trailers of this movie I'm just gonna say i didn't watch any trailers didn't want to be spoiled i did know going into it that um john uh, john skrinski was back as lee um and, and that they were going to shove a prequel scene at the beginning i did hear that and I was like, okay, like, it's good that he'll be back for a little bit, but also that would be just really annoying because you're going to love him being back and then he'll be ripped from us again. Um, but that, that is pretty much all I knew. When I saw uh, Man on the Island, I was like, oh, that sounds quite ominous. I was like, <laughs> uh, I, I actually went in thinking that he was going to be a bad guy. That's what I thought. So yeah. that was just a perception from Man on the Island. So I thought that sounds a bit dodgy. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway. 
budget for this, I couldn't exactly find the exact amount, but it's roughly 61 million. But box office return was 297 million. Again! Okay, now 61 is a big jump from 17, but still 61 million and you turned around 297. That's insane. That's That's like superhero movie numbers. So this this was... um, so we'll talk about this now, COVID impact. So uh, after a year of delays um, due to COVID, this movie was released in US theatres on May 28th, 2021. And it was released in the UK on the 3rd of June, 2021. And so it didn't go into streaming services straight away. So I think in America, it went on to Paramount Plus 45 days after being in theatres. And this has been, I think it's like the number eighth um, best like movie in terms of return on uh, at the box wow. office uh, this year. So, uh, so it's done really well. And I think actually that's probably what a good little thing that they've done there. It went to the theaters before it went into streaming. So there wasn't, a, I, I actually think that's a good move not to do day and day. Um, I think put it in theaters first. And then if you don't want to go to the theater, that's fine, but you've got to wait 45 days. I think that's a good compromise because I think the theaters need the love. And if you're if you're like in a place where you're happy to go to the theaters, then great, go and enjoy yourself. But if you're not happy, right. look, 45 days, it's not a big deal. <clears throat> it's not like you've got to wait six months, like sort of pre-COVID, you know, 45 days, I think is actually the shortest window between cinema release and and any kind of service. So right. I I think that's a damn short, short window. So I and I do think <clears throat> I'm not gonna talk about Black Widow, but I think that's what they should have done with Black Widow. So yeah. uh I mean they could have prevented some sort of court action there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so summary of the movie. So I'm just gonna summarize this movie. It is brilliant uh, again. Like, that is not a summary. No, 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 no. Uh, not of the movie itself, is what I was gonna say, it's of the structure I love. Mm-hmm. The fact the fact that the first 10 minutes of day one. Yeah. I, I actually loved going into this movie and seeing day one. So day one literally is seeing the impact and uh, and how the Abbots come to cross paths with these aliens. And I love the fact that we do get John Krasinski back in the first 10 minutes. He pretty much runs that first 10 minutes, I have to say. Right. like I think that was a good thing. So I read online that he wanted to come back because it was kind of like a love letter to like his family and being a father and, and that kind of thing. And he, and he kind of wanted to write himself back in. And so then what I love is how that when that first 10 minutes ends, we then literally end up at the scene where the, where the first one finished. And I thought that was brilliant. And, yeah, that was an incredible transition. Right. I know that, and, and like the transition between the massive fight at the end of day one, and then suddenly we back in the in the basement mm-hmm. of the house where um, Emily Blunt's character was due to kill those two aliens. I presume she did kill the two aliens, but we just don't don't see that bit. So, and then they spend some time at the house before they have to before they leave and go on a long journey. Uh, and then obviously they come across Cillian Murphy's character and. We begin a bit of an adventure with him and we get to find out what we obviously we don't get to see the journey, but we can see where he started and kind of where he finished. And and I think um, seeing his bond between him and Millie or Millie's character, uh, I think was brilliant as well throughout the movie. And once those two go off, they begin like separate journeys. We see uh, obviously Emily Blunt's character and her son and the daughter and then Millie and Cillian uh, Murphy's character. And obviously the journey that they'll go through. And what I love is how the end scene is pretty much the children. Mm -hmm. Like, so, and I love how they mirror that at the end. Yes. 
And and we'll, we'll break it down when we talk about the end. But then I love that they fucking do it to us again when it ends. I'm like, I literally went on to Google to Google if they're a part three. Like, I literally was like, <laughs> you can't do that to us again. So anyway, um, I, we'll, we'll break down the plot in the movie as we go through. But what's your overall thoughts, Fable on part two? Um, part two is like more of the same, really. I mean, it just takes everything that was great about part one, throws it in uh, uh, into part two, and um, doesn't let up to the end. Uh, the only, the only thing that I would say is okay. Well, like watching part one, right? Certain things started creeping up, which I forgave, right? Because it's a movie; you can't get too technical. You ruin the movie for yourself. But like, yeah. there's certain tropes, you know, like okay, for instance, in part one. Where she drags the uh, bag and it lifts up the nail in the stand, Oh, I know right? that bit was stupid. Right, oh, yeah. I see that, and already I'm like, okay, this nail's gonna come into play at some point, right? So they they do that a few times throughout the movie, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but then it starts getting kind of like unbelievable in part two. Certain things start happening that it's like, okay, these guys have the worst luck in the world. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Something's gotta give. And the other thing is the the creatures themselves. Although I love the creatures and I love the whole suspense that they bring and the, and the, the danger that they bring, they kind of come out of nowhere in a lot of instances. It's like nobody even heard them creep up. They just appear, mm-hmm. which is a little bit unbelievable too, given their size and girth, but little things like that. Uh, but other than that, man, it's more the same. And I'll take it. Like you said, give me some more. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some more. Yeah. Wanna, thinking of Buster Rhymes now. Uh, so, Jasmine, give me some more. What's your overall thoughts? Um, yeah, I thought that they there was a lot more uh, people interaction in this one. Not just because yeah. we've met new characters, but just the interaction between uh, Evelyn and Reagan and Marcus, like that was so much deeper and like so explored like so much more to me in this one so we got so much more character expansion and there was one 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 part it wasn't a favorite scene but it stuck out with me because it felt so real when uh when the son is running and he gets caught in that bear trap and he does he doesn't scream at first until he rolls over and looks at his foot and sees how fucked up it is. And then he like loses his mind. That's exactly what that feels like. Like it reminded me of when I was a kid, I flew off of some playground equipment and I busted the back of my head open. When I, when I came to it hurt like hell. And I was like, damn, that really hurts. And I, but I was not crying. I was not hysterical. Nothing. I put both of my hands behind my head. And both of my hands came back bloody and I lost my shit. I lost my shit on the playground in front of all of those people. But it wasn't until like I saw the blood myself that it was kind of like, oh my God, what is happening? (laughs) And so like when that scene happened and he just forgets everything and just screams, like screams at the top of his lungs because his foot is literally caught in a bear trap. I was like, this is the realest shit I have ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> like this is this is so wild. Uh, so I just I felt like the character connection in this one is even more prominent, even more well done than in the first film. 
I think I think going into this movie, I was concerned about the lack of John Straczynski. So I did love the fact that we got ten minutes of him at the beginning, which was brilliant. And I, I, I love. I honestly think the the transition between day one and day five hundred, four hundred and seventy, or wherever it was, was so well done, so mm-hmm. well executed. I think showing John Straczynski walking around the town and showing the little video of something happened in Shanghai, which does allow you now to believe like that this is happening around the world. Mm-hmm. But because things like this, when they do happen, like people don't necessarily know what's going on. So the communication isn't that strong initially, you know, even if you think about COVID, like people weren't really, t- you know, COVID was around for probably about five months before people were even really talking about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think, I think, I think a lot of the governments were just hoping it would go away. <laughs> like so um but you know it's the same with anything like they you know they kind of until it really hits you and affects you people are not really like they're oblivious like you know John Cena's character what's going on there oh I think it's a bomb or something like you know and then he goes off to play his baseball game like yeah it's a bomb or something but he doesn't he doesn't literally doesn't ask any more questions because it doesn't it doesn't affect him it doesn't affect his character it doesn't affect the world that they live in and how many times does stuff like that happen like oh what's going on oh uh, I think it's a bomb okay like just get on my day uh it's not it's not a bomb in my town like you know if you'd have if you know if a bomb had gone off in your street like the other end you'd be like damn boy i can't get out of there um <laughs> but but because it's across the world there's no impact for him so i i love that i love the sort of the attention to detail there um i think like you said fable though it is more of the same but i definitely think there's a lot more character interaction like you said jasmine and i think there's probably got to be at least 20 minutes of dialogue in this film as opposed yeah. to six yeah. Uh, there's a there's a lot they're a lot freer to talk and, and that's because of how they've mechanized this film so things like how Cillian Murphy's got this sort of bunker which is soundproofed which is allows for some conversation between the characters which I think right. is great um, and also the fact that when they eventually find the island that they reveal that the monsters can't swim so which is which is another weakness actually so I wonder how many boats there are um, how many civilizations made it onto boats they talked about at one point during the film that there's 10 boats and only two got away but it'd be interesting to see um the story of some of these boats for instance like i mean it might be kind of boring if there's no aliens popping up but it would be interesting just to see you know if they did a tv special or something like that how how the how the boats are getting on would be pretty cool so but yeah and overall i really love this film i think i think it was just so well executed um so that's just my overall thoughts really and the ending really got me again. So, <laughs> um, do you, um, I mean, Jasmine, what about you? Uh, favorite character in this movie? Oh yeah, it's different. This time it was Reagan, 100%. Reagan was yeah. my favorite, favorite character throughout the film. Like she is like, she was, she was strong in the first film, but yeah. she went above and beyond in the second one. And it was kind of like that, the point where, you know, they're on the island and they're eating dinner with everyone else. And, and, um, Jaimin Huntsu and uh, Killian Murphy's character are talking and he's like oh yeah so you figured it out right like you figured it out because of the song that we were playing and Killian Murphy was like no I didn't figure <laughs> out right. anything she did and Jaimin Huntsu's character was like but she's deaf <laughs> like, how, how did she figure this out and Killian Murphy was like oh, listen man it couldn't be me like so I just I loved her I loved that she is the hero of this film Oh, she's a hundred percent like the hero. Mm-hmm. What about you, Fable? Favorite oh, yeah. character? I agree a hundred percent. Definitely Reagan. Um, she she's she's taken the lessons of her father, mm-hmm. um, and she's applied them to her life. 
And um, you just see him continue on through her. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. I think he'd be proud to see her growth, like, you know. Yeah. So I think she's really sort of coming out from her father's shadow and, mm-hmm. and carrying forth his journey. So um, I have to say I agree with you about about Reagan. I, I equally loved Cillian. I think he was just so good. That Peaky Blinder um, <laughs> re- really did a wonderful job in this movie. And I, I actually really love, and again, it does come down to the actress, Millie, the bond between those two. Mm-hmm. But I, what I love about the character is he didn't want to go after Millie. He didn't yes. want to be involved. He didn't want to be involved. He'd had heartbreak. He'd lost his wife. He'd lost his children. He was living in the middle of nowhere. He he basically wasn't living. He where they, So when you start the movie in day one, you know, you can kind of see that him uh, and um, Lee, sort of, you know, Cillian's character, Emmett and Lee, have got a, a friendship. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's made clear how strong that friendship is. Right. But the fact that Lee asks about his brother says to me they know each other more than just sitting on some seat, seats watching football, uh, rugby game. Uh, sorry, not rugby, what was it? it was, um, baseball. Baseball. <laughs> baseball. <laughs> right. Sorry, I completely went blank on the sport, but yeah. Uh, so, um but anyway, so I I went sorry I went blank on the sport there, but um, the baseball game. So I I personally think I do you know what I was going to say I was trying to stop myself from saying it rounders like so <laughs> uh, so uh, favorite in case you don't know we call baseball over here rounders, rounders. Uh, so yeah but if you said baseball we'd know what it was <laughs> uh, anyway so, so that interaction there but how Cillian's character is very. He's almost like Lee. He's family driven. He's mm-hmm. taking his family away. He's protecting his family. That you know, I there's a little bond between him and Millie at the beginning when he says, "How do you say dive?" It's all very, I would say, kind of manly. Like you mm-hmm. know, I've been in those situations where I'm sitting on the side watching my kids do something with a couple of other dads, and we're kind of exchanging kind of very like almost like non-important conversation. Yeah, like, that's kind of like how. They, so I wouldn't say they were best friends, but they definitely had a. They were friendship. friendly. Yeah, they were friendly. Like, well, yeah. I mean, I would assume they're they were really close, and I'm only going to say that because of uh, Emily Blunt's uh, speech to him. Oh yeah, yeah. About, she was about telling him to go say, after yeah. his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the way she was talking to him. Um, Maybe that was he, Lee's best friend. Yeah, she knew that if she said that, he would have to go after. Yeah, she, she said something like along the lines of if Lee was here, like blah, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. So that made me think, okay, well, my initial impression was that they were just were friendly, but maybe there's more to it that I don't know. Right. So um, and maybe if we get a part three, maybe we'll get to see, like maybe maybe Emmett, maybe we might get to see some of Emmett's journey, like on date. You, you know, maybe think, they might. Um, sh- do you think they try to make him look like... Did you think that the director tried to intentionally uh, try to make the audience second guess him? Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I, I don't think it went off too well because he was just too endearing for you to second guess. But that scene where he found his wife's corpse, Uh, the boy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think that they were trying to trying to do that, but it just didn't work. I don't know. I I think, no, I definitely think that 
what they tried to do is create. So I, I do love the character of Cillian. That's what, uh, sorry, Cillian's character in it. I do love, and I love the journey that you see. And I love the fact that you see him in a, in a positive light at the beginning to then finding him in a light where he doesn't want any human interaction. Mm-hmm. Reminded me a little bit of Will Smith in I Am Legend, where Will yep. Smith had been on his own for like three years and had, um, and there was a comment by um, uh, the girl from um, uh, Queen of the South, the actress, I've forgotten her name. Alice Braga. Uh, yeah, yeah. So she, she shows up and says like, how long has it been since she last spoke to a human? And I think it's exactly the same for Emmett in this. He hasn't had human interaction for a long time. We don't, the, as you mentioned, the wife's corp, uh, corpse uh, body was fairly right away. So it's been a long time since he's had human interaction. And then seeing the journey that he went on with Millie and when he has the interaction later on <laughs> with the the strange society that formed that oh, wanted yeah. to ki- kill him, um, almost like an offering, I assume, to these aliens um, and how he formed the bond with Millie. I, I just love seeing all of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to, I may as well address your point now. I definitely think they were trying to lure, lead us down a path that we were seeing the journey, but they did drop in several misdirection things to mm-hmm. make you think that Emmett could potentially either be a bad guy right. or, or just a piece or, of shit. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. So, so earlier on in the movie where him and Millie um, were at the, the, was it the train or bus or something like that. And then the they train. go to the shop. Yeah. yeah. They go to the, the shop and then she wakes up and her thing is gone and right. she, she's, yeah. she's, she's, she's panicking. Yes. And then he, co- he comes along and he hands it back to her and says, Oh, I found a boat, etc., etc." Like, he wasn't even aware that he scared the shit out of her. Like, right. and, but the audience has been go- going down a road now. With is this guy like for real? Has he actually right. like robbed her of the of the weapon of the sort mm-hmm. of the weapon against the aliens? Because has he become a self prick? Is this movie now going to go down the road of Millie's now got to go and save the day against him? Um, but so it was quite nice that he wasn't a piece of shit at that point. Right. Yeah, but this this is clearly something they do in a lot they do in a lot of things you know misdirection so there was a little bit there but um and then there was misdirection again i think like you say when the um uh the son uh marcus found the dead body of the wife i think that was done deliberately to create tension because obviously he was elsewhere with millie Mm -hmm. so it was like well is now millie with a a bad guy and it kind of brings up the question again but actually all it was was just showing you a dead body for the sake of showing you a dead body yeah he just hadn't he just hadn't buried his wife for whatever reason whether that was to do a sound Mm -hmm. like you know didn't want to make any sound or maybe he just couldn't let go of his wife maybe he just had too much loss and just felt like having his wife nearby was what he needed well he said he lost both of his kids on day one and he lost his wife 11 weeks before emily and and the rest of the family showed up so yeah so he he obviously couldn't be at bear to lose anymore imagine losing both kids on the first day like together i mean losing them at any point whether it was day 500 or day one would be horrific but you know he's experienced obviously a mega lot of loss Mm -hmm. so um Anyway, so I, I enjoyed him. He was my favorite character, but I did enjoy the bond between him and Millie. I think it was great. And I'm not saying that he's a John Straczynski replacement. He's not, but no. I think it was it was a it was a clever move to bring in a different man, uh, male character um, that wasn't necessarily now trying to become the love interest for Emily right. Blunt's character. Mm-hmm. He was not brought in as that. So, and I hope they don't go down that road. And so. he wasn't brought in as a leader either. 
No, he yeah. wasn't brought in as a leader. Millie's clearly the leader. Mm. Like Millie's, Millie's. She's the brains. <laughs> oh, she's the brains. But and he, but he also acknowledges that, which I thought was great. So, yeah. um, well, what's your what's your thoughts, Fable, on the structure of this film? Um, the structure was again just like the first one, well paced, uh, sound. Um, I might have done without the misleading things about um, what was his name again. Emmett. Uh, Emmett. Emmett. Yeah. yeah, the misleading yeah. scenes about Emmett, maybe. Because, I mean, when the kid left the hatch to go searching around the factory, it was just clearly a setup for something to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're like yeah. this kid, you know. Uh, so uh, maybe I couldn't have done without that. Those are the things that bring it down for me a little bit. But mostly it was great. Um, nice confrontations, nice, uh, nice uh, setup scenes with certain characters. That scene, um, where they meet the crazy people on the dock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's my favorite scene of the whole movie because they're saying a lot without saying anything. And the yeah. tension is so there, right? Like you see in this psycho dude, he's looking at the girl taking off her shirt. Your mind immediately goes to the worst places. And this is this is one of the things that I love about this this movie in particular is that there's a lot of horrific things that you can do in this movie and they did not do it. Right. Right. Do you know what though? That, you know, like how a lot of films have um stories expanded in the world of comics. Like I would love to see some comics of a quiet place, like but exploring not the main characters necessarily, but things like you say, the people on the docks, what's their journey? We're never gonna find out, like, because they're not gonna revisit those characters. But if they release like, I don't know, a three or four part miniseries, like the people on the docks. I'd actually be quite down for that as long as they did it well, like seriously, no jokey art or anything right. like that. But like, pick somebody who could do horror, um, like some good strong horror art or something serious. I some sort of serious toned artwork. I'd be, you know, like trying to think maybe like even that uh, that Texas Blood or something like that. You know, that kind of tone or um, uh, trying to think of um, Ed Brubaker when they just uh, like criminals stuff like that something more serious tone to it I think I'd be really down with seeing something like that to explore these characters because that that scene I, I can appreciate well that's probably your favorite because it's such a tense scene you yeah obviously you just and you have no idea what what's mo- going on right well yeah you right. don't, well, don't know what their motives yeah. are right what their exactly is well, what what is their goal here? How many times have they done this? Uh, that little girl that's got a face cut up, like she's, and how how has she become so brainwashed into into like trying to kill people? Like, I mean, that's fairly sick that they've managed to get some sort of eight year old kid into killing people, trapping so, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I mean, they like, and they also are in the same danger that the main characters are in. Right. They yeah. can't make any noise either, so they're trying yeah. to pull off what they're trying to pull off with the same kind of tension. That the main characters are going through because mm-hmm. you know um what if what if the people they're trying to capture scream oh know? yeah 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 100 percent. yeah um jasmine what about you what's your thoughts on the structure and got any favorite scenes i've got a favorite scene um i thought the structure with this one i actually kind of enjoyed the misdirection i love what they did with emmett's character with emmett because they made him honest and because he was so honest you got to see how vulnerable he was like he was flat out like, look, I'm going to help you today, but like I, tomorrow <laughs> you need to be gone because like there's yeah. not enough food. There's not enough shelter. Like I don't have the patience for you can't stay here. Um, so he was always like really upfront about his feelings and his thoughts and, and how no, like he's like, I am 
barely hanging on by a thread. Like I cannot do this with you and three kids. Like this is not going to work. Um, so I appreciated his sort of journey into reluctantly finally like letting uh reagan kind of lead him to what she thought was the promised land which turned out she was right um but to just see him be imperfect and honest and scared and just like all of those things all at the same time as opposed to putting on an act um so i i appreciated that part um as far as like a favorite scene honestly my favorite scene it's a it's a toss-up so it's the scene where Evelyn uses the oxygen tank and like tries to set the monster on fire. Mm. Uh, mm. I thought that was really great just because like it felt like a big action set piece in a film that was like, you know, supposed to be super quiet, but now, yeah, we finally got explosions. <laughs> like, this is awesome. I love that scene. Um, and the scene where Marcus steps up and uses the radio to subdue the monster and then shoot it with a freaking revolver. Like the kid who was terrified of absolutely everything finally steps into himself and right. like takes down a monster. I thought that scene was fantastic. I think I'm like you, I'm a bit, a bit torn almost between the end and the beginning, mm-hmm. like, like in terms of favorite scenes. And uh, I mean, you can apply this to structure. I love the fact that this movie jumps back and shows us day one and it still doesn't ruin the, the mystery of who and where these aliens came right. from. Like, right. I mean, we, we see something burning up in the sky. Is that a rocket? Is that a meteorite? We, we don't know. Like one, one day we might find out, but like, I love the fact that you get to see Emmett's story. Yeah. Sorry, not Emmett, um, Lee, Lee in the town and mm-hmm. clearly knows a lot of people. I love that, that first 10 minutes. I'll be honest with you. I've watched that three times this week, just that first <laughs> 10 minutes. I actually love the pacing of that. And you just, you're on your edge of your seat. Cause you know, you know, he's not in it for long. So there's no point showing that scene unless something happens. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's no right. point if it's just him going around the shops and picking up some shopping and going home, making dinner and going to bed, like, why would we care? So we we know that there's going to be a, a, a elements of the interaction with the aliens. And um, why, my first point where I'm like, it's coming is when Emmett walks, uh, sorry, I keep saying Emmett, when Lee walks down the alleyway and you see the dog. And I'm like, man, that dog, I thought a dog is going to go crazy because the dogs will pick up the aliens before, um, before the humans do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I love that first 10 minutes. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And then, I agree with you, Jasmine, about my other favorite scene is it's at the end between Millie and uh, the son. Um, I've forgotten his name, Marcus. Marcus. Mm-hmm. Um, where I love the literally showing Marcus, showing, um, uh, showing Reagan just flipping between the two of them and mm-hmm. them really stepping up and actually um, like Emily Blunt's character and Cillian Murphy's character are taking actually secondary positions to the kids. And, right. and Mark, Marcus, though, like I can see why, why you sort of talk about Marcus as well, because he, his journey, if you think about it from part one to mm-hmm. part two, he, he didn't want to go hunting with his dad to nope. the point where now today he's like holding the speaker out and shooting the alien in the head. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, what a journey this boy has been on. I mean, right. and, yeah. and how damaging is that to that kid's mental state? Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. So, um, but no, I honestly thought this movie was just so brilliantly done. And when, when it ends though, with that battle and the titles just come up, I honestly, not joking, I Googled it. I, like, I mean, I suppose we'll kind of jump into talk about that kind of end scene now, really. Like, so 
I love that whole end battle. And when it ends and the titles come up, I honestly t- went straight into Google. To, I was like, they can't just leave that shit there. I was like, <laughs> I, 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 was like <laughs> I was like, I accepted it with part one. I was okay with it. I refuse like, to accept it this time. <laughs> I, I refuse to accept it. Only because... Only because, because also they're separated, you know, like like you know, Reagan, Reagan and Emmett are on this island, yeah, and uh, and obviously Emily Blunt's character and her, her two children, her other two children, the baby and her son, are uh, like in this sort of warehouse, and and I, and then they end it, and I'm like, I want to see them back together, like you know, I assume that they're gonna get back together, like yeah. it's something just be left, but I I want to I want to see more, so um, apparently. I mean, there's nothing been said about a third one, but there is talk of a spin-off. So mm. I don't know, but that won't be by John Straczynski. Um, although I think he's going to be involved, like probably like a producer or something like that. And I mm-hmm. think it's from from an idea that he had, but I think other people are going to run it. Uh, you can see if you think about the return on these things, 17 mil for was 130 million or something. And then, you know, we got 60 mil and made another 257 mil. Basically the return on these things is just insane. So you can see Hollywood is not going to let this money train go. Yeah. They're not going to leave the money on the table. Right. You can imagine they're going to probably announce a Paramount Plus TV series at some point. So oh. um, hopefully it won't can, drag on the way Walking Dead does. <laughs> well, no, but you, can, you can imagine this though, like a quiet place, just like going on forever. So and even if they did a TV series, it wouldn't have to have the Abbott family in it. So right. um, yeah, you could you could imagine actually Walking Dead being a very uh, good take on what this franchise could look like. So. This I don't think Hollywood's letting this thing go anywhere. No. So, what do you guys think about the ending? Um, yeah, just like you said, great ending leaves you wanting more. Um, I definitely, as, as soon as I finished watching it, I was like, man, they should make this into a television show. <laughs> First thing I thought in my head, but you know what? I don't know. It might have to stay a film series because a television show will just give you all the lore, right? They'll try to build machines to kill the monsters or figure out where they came from or you know it'll be a lot more of the action instead of what was really going on in these movies like in the first movie it, it was uh it was the children um trying to recognize their parents love for them because i don't mm-hmm. think their parents they felt like their parents cared for them and and at the end that's when they like all got the love and then in the second movie it was about them growing up right? Like, mm-hmm. finally growing up, like the scared boy, like you said, timid through both movies all of a sudden. And the daughter, you know, being like, hey, my dad's gone. I gotta be the dad now. I gotta be just like him. I'm protecting my family. So, uh, if there's a third movie, there has to be a dynamic like that. It has to be a family mm-hmm. sort of progression. Mm-hmm. Can't be about the monsters or the lore or any of that stuff. The third one, you probably find out Lee's alive still and laying on the farm floor somewhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we were joking about that when we watched it earlier saying unless they're, they're like my sister watched it with me earlier and she's like if there's no dead body if you don't see a dead body they're still alive I went oh me and jasmine say this on the podcast all the time like yeah unless that, unless that character's decapitated no nah, i'm pretty sure though die. these monsters don't leave anything left alive yeah, I, I, like they I, I, squish I'm, everything i'm pretty sure too I, I actually don't think they'll do anything cheap like that so no. um, what do you think about the ending jasmine um I loved it. And I, I want to know how widespread it is. Like when is someone going to get on that radio station and also like broadcast over the frequency? Like, yo, look, this is the frequency that kills these things. Like play it, play it out loud, drag them out. And then you can take them down 
Um, so I, I do want to know how that frequency spreads to everyone else. Um, and as far as like the, the film itself, I had such a hard time watching the second one, like, because to me, it felt so much more character driven than the first one. There was literally a point where I I paused the movie. I got up and I paced around my living room (laughs) and I thought about texting Mark. And then I realized like, no, I'm not going to text him because if I text Mark, it's all going to be mean things. I'm just going to say mean things to Mark for making me watch this shit. (laughs) But like, it was so tense and so heavy at some points that I was just sitting on my couch thinking, Oh my God, I want this to be over. Like I really want this to be over. I am so like freaked out watching it. It wasn't like scary, scary, not like, you know, horror, like, I don't know, like exorcist scary. Thank God it wasn't like that. Um, <laughs> but it, it was just so like, my chest was so tight because I can't, I can't, I am not the type of person to be able to like watch something and not be affected by it. So I like, I'm taking on all of these emotions watching this film, which is why I don't watch stuff like this. In the first place. <laughs> but the way that this movie just kind of is so tightly wound. And then we get to the end and it's almost like this giant, like release at the end with the two kids finally stepping up to the plate and actually saving the damn day and saving, saving the adults. And it's like, well, now what? Like we, we, the kids have finally reached like their apex where they're like, okay, I get it. I, I get my part that I have to play in this. Um, so I, I do want to see what happens next with the kids. However, I, I would, I would be fine with a third movie coming out and then someone explaining to me what happens in the third movie without me having to feel <laughs> the tension of watching it myself. Oh, we'll definitely have to do an episode on the third one. Oh God. <laughs> so, Fable, what'd you rate this movie? Um, 4.5, just like the first one. Um, and, uh, I don't think it's better than the first one. I think the first one has a quality to it uh, that introduces you to these monsters in this world that is kind of lost in the second one. Um, but, but the second one still has great scenes, great acting, great cinematography, you know, everything, the music. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, same thing. I don't give it the five again, because like I said, the concept of post-apocalyptic aliens, no sound, all those things have been done before, but this is one of the best examples of it. So mm-hmm. What about you, Jason? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go 4.5 as well. I agree that it's not as good as the first one, uh, but it's not that much off. Like it's not too right. far off from the first one. So I gave the first one a five. This one gets a four and a half. Uh, I don't know. I actually really do love this movie. Like, there's so much I love about this film. I think I'm gonna go in with a five. I'll be honest. Wow. I, I, yeah, I think it's a really good film. It definitely. I think it had me a lot more on the edge of my seat throughout this movie. And the fact that when the first one ended, I was okay with it ending sort of mid battle because I I went in there actually just thinking this is a one and done, and I was like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Like, you know, a bit a bit like um. There's a lot of sort of monster movies that end in that kind of manner, like leave you leave you wanting a little bit more. But right. when this second one ends, leaving you wanting more, I was like, boy, I was like, <laughs> this is the first time I actually was like, 
I need more. I need more yeah. like now. I was like, I want a release date. Like, uh, no, <laughs> nothing. So I'm giving it a five. I love this film. I think it's really well done. Like, honestly, structure, everything. That that opening scene, I think, was so powerful. I love things like when they do clever things like that, day one, and then jump forward to day 400 and something. Right. And, mm-hmm. and like, I do I do love it when you get the ability to have that sort of jumping around thing. Um, and I think that was actually quite a unique thing to do, to jump back. And it was a good way of bringing John Stravinsky's character back without mm-hmm. undoing that death so i imagine that the probably some of the producers behind this who put the money and saying look you know is there any way we can get you back in it well yeah there is but i'm still going to be dead so yeah it'll be it'll be before i died so but you know i great... think what i loved about this movie the most was that they never ever explain these monsters like right. yeah i think that, yeah. they they yeah. are there and they are a problem and that is all you need to know and it freaking works it works yeah so well we don't need a motivation and i think a lot of people get tripped up with like well the monsters have to be there for a reason well not really i mean if they're just kind of mindless creatures that roam around and don't really have a purpose like this makes sense like yeah they got stranded on this planet and they're defending themselves to the best of their own abilities like we the humans just happen to be in the way of that so i mean because because we don't have anything actually explained to us it allows you to use your imagination so yes which always makes it better yeah, yeah. No, definitely. So one, I, I started to wonder one or two things. One, they just on some sort of meteorite or whatever, and it's just all fluke. Uh, like they land on the planet and, they, and they're like, you know, we, you know, like maybe that meteorite was part of another planet or moon or something. And, you know, because we don't know if they can breathe in space. We, um, you know, they can go underwater. So can they breathe in space? I don't know. Um, so we don't know if it's basically that they've ended on Earth by accident. Or one of the things I started wondering was, did some sort of higher form intelligence think do you know what we need this planet but we don't want to nuke it so let's drop down these horrible you know mother effing crazy aliens they're just gonna, <laughs> gonna, gonna yeah. do the work for they're gonna do the work well, for definitely. us definitely you know it take about five years before they've killed off 99 of the population <laughs> and so then, then we come in top, and sweep up the rest yeah then, yeah we <laughs> come we come in and we take over and take all the i don't know like the oil or whatever so that's kind of why yeah but like i say we don't know so your imagination starts to play wild with you like you know who are these people like Mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing so i yeah i love i love this film i think it's great it's great film it's really well done so uh and i'm looking forward to seeing more i hope we don't get the spin-off before we get number three i really want to see them do number three i want to see them finish this i'm thinking it's going to be a trilogy and then if they do a spin-off later i'm fine with that so I want to see I, number three. I just want to see them. Um, see, one of the things that threw me off about this movie in a good way, because I, 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 you know, like a lot of us, we don't like predictability in these movies. And this movie can feel like it's about to be really predictable, right? I mean, they have all these like tropes and setups and things. But what, what threw me off was how they didn't take the path of gratuity. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the girl. It's implied that they're going to do something with her, just the way the guy's looking at her, but they never get touchy really with her. They mm-hmm. never you, they never show some uncomfortable stuff like him smacking her or yeah. kissing her or something, some weird, nasty thing. Um, when the aliens come and they do their business, they usually just toss people to the side. There's no like chop the head off, see the blood. Right, they're not crazy. eating people. Like you don't ever come across right. a monster like eating someone's guts. Yeah, there's so many times where they could have done that. In another director's hands, I'm sure they would have. Oh yeah. Um, which which elevates this movie to me in a lot of ways because I didn't expect it to not be as gratuitous as it could have been. Yeah, they don't take and the cheap still shots. Be good. 
So we'll we'll leave it there. I've I've really enjoyed chatting about both movies with both you guys, and uh, thanks Fable for jumping on. And Jasmine, okay, thank you fine. for watching both these movies. So you are not welcome. Uh, like, <laughs> like you said, you love the films, but you just didn't overly love the experience. So, not at all. Uh, like, <laughs> Um, anyway, in our next episode, we'll be joined by the author of Stray Dogs, Tony Fleeks, for our October conversation. So please come back for that. And don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our 10th Late to the Party Book Club episode was Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. That episode also marks our one-year anniversary of the book club, so please be sure to check that out. We discussed some of our favorites throughout that series. Uh, that episode dropped at mid-September. And our next book club, we're going to be reviewing Batman The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. You can also follow Geeks Unleashed everywhere on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as Geeks Unleashed. Fable, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, one collection down, um, one underscore collection underscore down. Uh, I do a show every Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. on IG Live called The Blame Fable one, Show. One th- one thirty p.m. New York time, everybody. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> New York Eastern. Like, yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, the Blame Fable show, so you can join Fable, blame and blame again. So, was it was it someone said the other day? Always blame Fable. So. Yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> and you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast: Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please give us a five star review and tell your geeky friends. Thank you very much. Good journey. Good journey. <laughs> Good journey, Fable. Station. <laughs>